What's up, y'all? This is Whitmer from Nerdtastic, and you're listening to KCOU Columbia 88.1 FM. And running April 17th, 2022. Happy Easter to everyone celebrating. This is Start Your Sunday on KCOU 88.1 FM. No Harrison Vapnik in the studio today. He's busy covering Mizzou tennis. So I dragged David Campbell along with me. David, how you doing? I'm doing very well, Jonathan. It's always great to have you as my co-host, uh, as someone alongside me. As I'm looking across, we have a show together. But we're not doing that show today. Nope, today is Start Your Sunday Day. Also have a special guest on the phone with us, Michael Marino, one of my close friends from back home. A friend, very, of, a friend of the program. Very connected uh, when it comes to the NFL draft, so I wanted to bring him on, talk everything draft. Michael, how are you doing? Good, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Michael, I want to start with this because you're a Jets fan, and I'd say that the thing, the team you know the most about is the Jets, whether that comes to the draft or just the team in general. The Jets have two picks inside the top 10. They're going to pick at four and then at number 10. The number 10 pick, I think a lot of people are feeling they go wide receiver. But what about the number four pick? What are you, what are you hearing as of right now, and what do you think they end up going? Yeah, I mean, at this point, a lot of it comes down to how the board falls. Um, they really don't know who's going to be there at number four overall. Um, at number one, it's kind of become a consensus that the pick is going to be Aiden Hutchinson, the edge rusher out of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some that think maybe uh, Balky is, is really gearing up to make some type of Trayvon Walker-esque selection at number one. Um, I really don't know if I buy that. Um, but Bulky is known to be an out-of-the-box type of guy. I just think he doesn't um, – I don't. I question if he has the mental strength to go against what most of the consensus and what the public boards have in that Hutchinson is, is that number one edge. Um, so if you have Hutchinson one, number two, there's a lot of questions that a quarterback is an edge rusher um, – you know, I think it's probably going to be either Malik Willis or Trayvon Walker, um, which is fine. Um, and for the Jets, they really need an edge rusher. They could use an offensive lineman. It's not a must. Um, they need a quarterback. They need a wide receiver. Um, so that sets up the number three pick, which then goes to number four pick. Number three pick, I know they really like uh, Ikemi Kwanu. Uh, the offensive tackle out of Mississippi State. Uh, so they really do like him. He could be their pick. Uh, but if Malik Willis goes there, I know they also like Trayvon Walker. Uh, so all that to say, when you get the number four pick, I'll tell you what I've heard. Um, I wouldn't rule out Sauce Gardner. I know they do like him. Um, I don't know if they want to take a quarterback. 
the Robert Sala defense relies on heavy pass rush, uh, and in both the GM Joe Douglas uh, and the head coach Robert Sala, their mentality has always been: if you want to stop a thirty million dollar receiver, get some pass rush, make sure he can't get the ball out of his hands, uh, and so that's that's kind of how they run. And uh, I will say, I know they really like Jermaine Johnson. I don't think they want to take him at four. I think in a dream world, they can take him at 10. Uh, you ask me right now today, I would say it's it's some type of race between Sauce Gardner, Kayvon Thibodeau, Ikem Ikwadu, and, and Jermaine Johnson. Uh, the favorite, probably, honestly, Ikem Ikwadu, um with KT, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, and then maybe Jermaine Johnson followed by Sauce Gardner in that in that order. Okay. Um. Do you know if the Jets would feel comfortable dra- drafting Johnson as high as four? I know there's a lot of people that think he's going to go in the top ten, but picking a guy at four with guys like Kayvon Thibodeau, potentially Trayvon Walker on the board, is that something that they're currently considering? You know, they really like Jermaine Johnson. I, I know the staff in Sala specifically uh, is a big fan of Jermaine Johnson. I don't know if that means they'll take him at the number four pick. Uh, obviously, a lot of that will go, will depend on how the board falls, like I said. Uh, you know, I, I do think they like him more than Trayvon Walker. Uh, I don't think he'll be their number four selection. But if KT's on the board... There's a conversation to be had. Um, right now, many in that front office are just banking on them taking Drake London at number 10 overall. Mm-hmm. I I have very good sourcing that, that he is their, one of their top receivers on the board, if not their top receiver. And it's starting to look like a lock that he may go number 10 overall if he's there. They really think he would complement the offense, his, his big body, uh, his ability to go up and get there. I mean, he turns a 50-50 ball into a 70-30 ball. And so they really like that. That's what Zach Wilson had at BYU that allowed him to be successful. So you can just toss it up to him and he would get it. And that's what Drake London is. And so uh, in an ideal world, they'd get a defensive end with the fourth pick and then a wide receiver and Drake London with the 10th pick. Um, you asked if Jermaine Johnson, they feel comfortable taking number four. You know, there is a world where they end up taking Ikem Ikwadu, number four overall, and then you get to the 10th pick and Jermaine Johnson sitting there with Drake London, and that's a conversation they have to have because mm-hmm. that's that's a toughie. And so, yeah, I don't think they do feel comfortable taking him number four. Uh, for those I've talked to, it seems like that's a little bit of a concern. Uh, but if he's there at 10, it's a completely different story. Hey, Michael, you hear me okay? I was going to ask you about a player who, you know, your opinion, front office opinions, the Jets and others, uh, about a guy like Sauce Gardner. What's his over-under right now, and is it more likely he goes top five or closer to a pick like 12, 13? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, here's what I'll tell you about Sauce Gardner. The dude is long. I mean, he's got long arms, a long body. Uh, he's more in line with maybe like an old-school quarterback. He's a big dude, uh, which you really don't see a lot anymore. Now, the big question with him was, can he move? You know, he's a big dude. Can he move like an elite quarterback? 
And uh, I think he ran a four four four. So that that eliminated any speed concerns you might have with Sauce Gardner. Now, with that in mind, you know, I think he is in line with some of the top top quarterbacks that have gotten drafted. You know, obviously everyone knows the zero touchdowns allowed in college stat. Is he the next Jalen Ramsey? No, I don't think so. I don't think he's the next Jalen Ramsey, but I do think he could be very easily a top 10 cornerback in football. Uh, I think he's really, really good. In terms of where he goes in the draft, um, I think the earliest you see him start to get considered, uh, I know the Lions like him. I, I don't think they'd take him at two. I know the Texans like him a lot. I don't know if they take him at three. Um, the Giants really like him. Uh, he might be one of the top guys on their board. So I would say if they get their offensive lineman at six, uh, the Giants, and then they still keep that number eight, which is not a guarantee. The same with the Jets. They could shift one of those two picks to either bolster up for next year or maybe acquire another pick. Um if they are able to do that, I would say Sauce Gardner is probably going to go in that four to to eight to nine range. I really don't see him slipping to ten. Um, and if you're asking about maybe another quarterback like Derek Stingley, I would say the earliest you see him go is is number twelve overall to the Minnesota Vikings. That's that's probably his ceiling. Yeah, I think there are a lot of people that feel the Vikings are going corner. It's a huge need for them. I wanted to ask you about a guy who is maybe considered the best prospect in the draft by, by some, and that's Kyle Hamilton. In the, we've, you've explained to me that in the top five, or I think at six in 2017, the Jets took Jamal Adams. He was a really good player, but he didn't change their team much. He was just a really good safety, and I know you kind of feel that's how Kyle Hamilton can be, that you wouldn't use the top five pick on him. Where could you see him falling to in this draft? You know, it's funny. I mean, mean, we've had conversations, obviously, uh, offline. And one of my biggest things with Kyle Hamilton is this. Obviously, you look no further than size. He's your prototypical, like, dreamable um, safety. I mean, he's big. He's a 6'4 dude. Um, I will say this. His stock has dropped quite a bit um, post-combine. I know the speed is a question mark at this point. Now, if you look at his tape, he's got a lot of chase-down tackles, which is encouraging. That speed, when he does chase down guys, does not give you any 4-7. It doesn't look like 4-7, and that's what he ran in his pro day. I believe it was a 4-5-9 at the combine, like a 4-7-2 at the pro day. And, uh, you know, the people, I, I, the film I've watched, it shows you he doesn't want run a 4 or 7 2 on, on the football field. But regardless, Kyle Hamilton is not Jamal Adams as a prospect. I'm sorry. I know there are lovers of Kyle Hamilton. In my opinion, he's not Jamal Adams. That's I it. really am encouraged by his size and his projectability. I mean, he could be a superstar. But. Like you prefaced, the Jets got their superstar safety in Jamal Apps, who is better, in my opinion, than Kyle Hamilton. He hit. He was a pro bowler. He was the MVP at the All-Star game. He was everything they could have wanted. And you look at it, 
what they won five games with him, and he was their best player. You know, a safety doesn't move the line a lot. And so, listen, if you are the, you know, if you are the Bucks and you just lost maybe a, a safety and you are one piece away from going back to the Super Bowl, I have no problem if you trade into the top five and you go and you take your one weakness, which is Kyle Hamilton. That's a great move. But for teams like the Jets, the Texans, the Lions, you know, there's a reason they're picking there. They have a million needs, and safety is not going to move the ball a lot. And so he's a great player, you know, which, to be honest, I prefer Sauce Gardner, but he's still a great player. I just don't feel comfortable with a team like the Jets or the Texans or the Lions with tons and tons of needs taking a safety. I just don't think it's a wise use of, uh, of management this year. Thanks. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I want to get into another team that you may know a little bit about. Your brother certainly knows a lot about. That's the Atlanta Falcons, who are picking at eight. The Falcons have a ton of needs. They're they're without a quarterback. They need weapons now with Calvin Ridley being out this year. They need defensive players. They pretty much need everything. We have some Garrett Wilson rumors that have kind of quieted down in the last week or so, but they're certainly there. Are you as confused about the Falcons as I am, or do you get the sense that they have a clear direction in this draft? You know, I think they're as confused as we are, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) They don't know how the board's going to fall. I mean, there are so many questions. Every year, you know, the conversation comes up, when does the draft start? This year it's pick two, Um, maybe even pick one. And so with that, the Falcons at, I believe it's eight, uh, they're sitting there and they have actually no idea what's going to happen. They they have no idea. and it makes sense. They, they don't know who's going to be there. You know, you look at any mock draft, and it's, oh, it's Kyle Hamilton slipped to them in this instance. Okay, Von Thibodeau, oh, Jermaine Johnson. You know, every different mock draft, someone slips, and that's the guy they take. Um, I have heard they really like Garrett Wilson. Um, they view Garrett Wilson as a similar evaluation to Calvin Ridley, mm-hmm. and they loved Calvin Ridley prior to the suspension and all the stuff there. Um, I will say, I don't know if he's their pick at eight. I know they really, really like him. I'd say he is the most probable selection at eight. But if, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau is their number two prospect on the board and he's sitting there at eight, they're going to think about it. Uh, Because like the Jets, they have a million needs. Obviously, receiver is their biggest one. They have what Olamide Zacchaeus is their wide receiver yeah. two right now. I mean, it's a it's a mess. But I don't think they're going to reach if what they consider to be you know a generational prospect is sitting there at, at, with the eighth overall pick. They're going to take them. All right, I only have a couple more things, uh, David. I don't know if you have anything else, but what's your evaluation on the quarterbacks? What, where do how do you have them ranked, and do you think? There's a potential that maybe two go in the top 10, maybe top 12. Yeah, I think two will go in the top 10. That, that's my guess as of right now. Wouldn't shock me if, if that number was, was lower. Wouldn't shock me if that number was higher. Um, I will say I know the Falcons like Matt Corral. Um, I don't know if they like him, they take him off, uh, but they like him. I will say in terms of my quarterback rankings, not not traditional. Um, I do have Matt Corral as my top quarterback in this draft. Uh, I really, I just think he's really good. 
uh, you watch the tape. He plays a physical brand of football. I mean, he he is is not scared to just throw his body on the line, which will have to stop. I mean, that that will not work in the NFL. He will get eaten alive. Um, and so, I feel comfortable in terms of throwing the football. I think he's the best. I think he's the biggest arm. Um, I, I think he's is very accurate. He wasn't in the spotlight as much because he, he was the only one who didn't go to the Senior Bowl. And if you remember anything about the Senior Bowl, it was like, and the quarterbacks didn't really look that great. You know, it was, yeah. it was not really a, a shock. And even in the game, I loved Malik Willis. I thought he had an impressive week. But even he didn't blow the doors off the wall or anything. You know, he was very okay. And so I have it. Matt Corral's my top quarterback. Um, I would say it's closer to a 1A, 1B, Matt Corral, Malik Willis. I would say Pickett's my number three. He is a very high floor guy. Um, you know, I think he's going to be a very, maybe like a top 20 to 30 quarterback and kind of just chill in that range for quite a, quite a bit. The hands don't concern me a, a whole lot, but they are something. Um, after I got Howell and Ritter. Ritter scares me. I'm going to be honest. Ritter is, is a little bit of a scary uh, eval there. He's just inaccurate. I, I don't know how to describe it, but you watch the tape and it's just he misses by two feet. He misses by three feet, you know, wide up, down. There's, it's something with the base mechanically how uh, he really can't set his feet to, to throw an accurate ball. Uh, but that's how I have my top five. Uh, Matt Corral, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, and Desmond Ritter. Interesting. And then the last thing I have for you before I let you go, who are some players we see every year, some players that go in the first round that surprise everyone? Late risers, there are some guys that don't go in the first round that we really don't see coming. Who do you think can be some of those guys this year? It's a great question. Okay, let me take you through what I got. Um, I'll say, oh, man. You know, it's interesting. There's some of these guys that they, I don't even think they'll be in the first round. Um, some names that, you know, guys might not know. I would say Boye Mafe is, is a is almost a lock to be in the first round pick. Edge rusher out of Minnesota. He's really good. I know there's a lot of mixed reviews on him. Some teams really like him. Some teams don't. Uh, I'm a big fan. Christian Watson. Christian Watson has put himself squarely in the mix to go in the first round. Uh, I would say Kenyon Green's in that conversation. He's not a lock, but he could. Um, but, yeah, guys go in the first round. I would say have your eyes out on Christian Watson. Um, you know, r- ridiculous enough. I think there might be another safety, too. I think uh, a Lewis Seen might be in there, maybe a Jaquan Brisker or a Dax Hale. Um Interesting enough, I don't know if, if Kobe Dean or Tyler Linderbaum go in the first round. Anymore. Wow. There's a, a lot of concerns there. And so uh, they That'd could be, be seeing themselves slip to the second round. Uh, real quick before I let you go, what's the concern around Linderbaum? Why wouldn't he go in the first round? Um, the, Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's one big one. It, it's arm size. He is, I think, in the one percentile for arm size. And if you look at the names around him, you won't know any of them. Um that is concerning to teams. I know there are some teams that look past that and they say, hey, you know, athletically he profiles like Tristan Wirfs, who is, you know, a surefire hit and a hit. And so the concerns there are, hey, he is in the one percentile for arm size as an offensive lineman. Is that concerning? And there are some teams that will just take him off their board. Um, I know the Jets 
really like him. I think they might try to to plan maybe some type of late trade up into the first round using their two third round picks and maybe a second. Uh, that remains to be seen. But yeah, those two guys, uh, Nicobe Dean, it's size. He's I, I think he's five eleven. And when you have Darius Leonard's of the world, who are just big linebackers, he doesn't fit that mold. And so he could see himself slip alongside Linderbaum. Michael Marino, everyone, now writing for Fantrax. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at MichaelMarino37. Michael, thanks a lot for joining us today. Of course. Thank you so much. Yep. All right. We'll see you. All right. We're going to hit our break now. We'll be back. David and I got to talk some FPI that just came out this week. We'll be right back. This is Start Your Sunday. If you love them enough to turn off your music and pretend like their music is your music. Ah, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. Salute Your Sports is back and better than ever. Tune in at our new time, 12 p.m. on Fridays on KCOU 88.1 FM and at our website, kcou.fm. Salute Your Sports is going on our 11th year strong, the longest-running Mizzou-centric KCOU radio show. And you can catch myself, Zach Berman, David Campbell, and Adam Busek as we talk all things Missouri Tigers. Once again, 12 p.m. Central on KCOU 88.1 FM. Life can be dramatic, but day-to-day relationships aren't always like you see on TV. You can help the young people in your life work through the drama by engaging them in conversations about healthy relationships. Use Connect With Me activity cards to start discussions on this subject and other topics that matter to teens. Visit health.mo.gov connect to access these free cards and resources. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. Hi, I'm Jonathan Litzkin. And I'm David Campbell. Lacey gives it to Anya. Clock goes to two. Anya, a little turnaround, and it goes! And we're the hosts of KCOU's premier college basketball show, Marathon to March. One timeout, they don't take it. We break down everything in college basketball from April to March with transfers, upsets, buzzer beaters, and more. He rifles it right in front of us to Abdul Rahman at midcourt. Extra pass. And it goes for the win! Follow the show for advice leading up to the best tournament in sports. Monk to tie it. Oh, an impossible shot. So tune in to Merit on the Mark on Tuesdays from 1 to 2. Should you listen? Tell them, Dan. Yes! Hey, this is Tommy Wizzle, and you listen Columbia KCOU 88.1 FM. Hopefully you have a groovy time. Welcome back. Start your Sunday, KCOU. I'm not going to say welcome back. No, we'll save it for Tuesday. We'll save it for Tuesday. This is KCOU 88.1 FM. I'm Jonathan Lidskin alongside David Campbell. No Harrison Vapnik in the studio today. Just finished a fantastic interview with Michael Marino. Very well-connected person when it comes to the NFL draft. David, we had our first real, like, 
college football like projections of the season come out this Un- week? Unfortunately, yeah. It's a little unfortunate. It's also fun. There's a lot of things we disagree with. It's a little, little weird. It always is. If, yeah. it, but as Aaron Torres tweeted earlier today, if the FBI didn't project their team poorly, we'd have nothing to argue about, which is the whole fun of it. It's true. It's true. So the FBI rankings come out this week, and like we said, they're interesting. They certainly are interesting, and granted, it's only April. So who knows what we're going to get competition-wise, injury-wise, with four or five months to the season. So there's a lot, a lot to be broken down here. David, what are some initial reactions you had to, the, to this FPI? You know, looking at the top, I think I'm with Harrison. I know that I'll vouch for him here, get his little shout-out, because I know that he's going to want to say this. Utah's really low, and it's a team that I think well, I don't know if Harry's been vocal about it on this show, but he's very vocal about it in real life, and he loves them. And I, I, can't, I don't disagree. Um, and I just kind of think there's uh, a bit of a blue, I guess there's a cultural blue blood bias. I'm bringing college basketball into this show, but whatever. Um, you see the Bama, Ohio State, who are going to be great, but you'll see Georgia, Clemson, teams that have more questions around them. Notre Dame as well, another team that has a lot more questions. New coach, first year. And then you have, after that, you have the Texas Longhorns, John. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, we love Texas. You know, we both do. And we think they can be really good. But it's also the Texas Longhorns, and they've been known to dis- disappoint in the past. Yeah, so Texas projected it's kind of on, all over the place right now. Texas projected on here at 9.4 wins. This isn't sorted by projected wins. It's sorted by FPI, which is Football Power Index, which, yeah. for those of you that don't know. Um, something that stood out to me, a couple SEC teams down – near the 10-11 range, Auburn and LSU. I'm higher on LSU than I think most people I, are. I, I, actually, I'm with you. I, I know you love Miles Brennan. Yeah. I think they're going to be really good. I think they got the right coach, and I think he's probably going to turn that around very quickly. Auburn I'm a little skeptical about. We don't know what they're going to have at quarterback. They no. bring in Zach Calzada. He's going to have a QB competition with TJ Finley. Finley was good for them in spots last year where Bo Nix couldn't play, but overall not Fantastic. Yeah. I don't think Kelzada is all that great either. He played great in certain stretches in the season, specifically in that Alabama game. Yeah, he was but awesome in that game. I think Brian Harson is a steal from Joel Klatt, a mid-major coach, coaching at a high-major program. Yeah. I think Auburn could really struggle this year. They're projected at 7.4 wins. Uh, I could see them being as low as five and missing a bowl game, honestly. Wow, that's bold, but I don't, I don't disagree. Um, I think there are a handful. Team to watch, yeah. I think there are a handful of teams in the SEC right off the bat that are going to be better than them. That includes Bama, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Arkansas, A and M. No, this is no specific order. Ole Miss. I think. I think I just named six or seven. Those I immediately think are going to be better than yeah than Bama or than better than Auburn. I should say. Better than Bama. Yeah, no, not better than Bama. But and then you have the Mizzou's of the world. The Mississippi State, who South are, Carolina. Who are going to have a lead offense. South Carolina, who brought in a bunch of, bunch of transfers. So, mm-hmm. we don't know. And we had to not, didn't even mention Florida, who can have the second-best QB in the conference next year. Yeah. So, it's just very interesting this comes out. David, you want to start your whole uh, Big Ten West rant? I, or, I, real quick, I want to mention. I want to ask you this question. Is Michigan five spots better than Penn State? No, I don't think Michigan's five spots better than Michigan State either. Yeah. So... Overrating of Michigan. Michigan's at number seven. I think that's a team that is going to really struggle this year. I think 
They're probably a seven or eight win team. If I'm being perfectly honest, I'm really not sold on Cade McNamara. I still will stand by that JJ McCarthy's a better quarterback than him. Yeah. I think he would have been not not that they would have even come close to beating Georgia, but you could just see in the last like five minutes that JJ played that he was much better suited to play in that game and see that pass rush with his escapability. But I mean they lost Hutchinson and Ojabo. Those are your two best defensive players, and then your third best defensive player was Dax Hill, who's also a potential first-round pick. So I think Michigan could really struggle this year. They're going to get Ronnie Bell back from injury, which is huge. I don't know about them. They lost to Son Haskins, too. It's, it's just a running back, but yeah. he's still a player. Yeah, he scored four touchdowns in a pretty important game. Yeah. So Yeah, I'm not sold on Michigan. Let's, uh, let's go into this. Um... <laughs> it's, just, it's a thing that we do every year, John. Uh, first off, let's look at the Big Ten here. I'm a Big Ten guy, in case you guys didn't know. Top four schools are all in the Big Ten East, Ohio State, which they're going to win the conference. They're going to defeat it. I don't know if it's debatable. Well, it's obviously you play the games, but come on now. Michigan's two. We ought to talk, to, to talk about them. Penn State, Michigan State, we like a little bit. And then here comes the, the slew of Big Ten West teams. It goes the top four, Big Ten East, the next four, Big Ten West. Mm-hmm. Um, at the top spot, you, at the Big Ten West, you have Wisconsin. Uh, a team that finished, I believe, second or third in the Big Ten West last year and only lost their final game of the regular season to the Gophers of Minnesota. I want to say they finished second, but Min- Minnesota could have had a tie. tie. I think yeah. Iowa got it. Yeah, we, Iowa went, obviously won the West, but yeah, I don't know how second figured out. Either way. Um, which which people, you know, I don't even hate that much because Wisconsin's like ranked this high every year, and it's because, you know, they have a great program, and Paul Christ knows how to coach a team. And they they still return a decent amount on defense, and they well they lose their top two receivers. They do bring back maybe the best weapon in the Big Ten, maybe probably the second best weapon in the Big Ten, and Braylon Allen. Mm-hmm. I would say it's him and Jackson with the Jigba, just in terms of just pure weapons. Yeah, off the top of my head, Trey Henderson's up there for yeah. Ohio State. Yeah, um, Blake Corum for Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just some of the guys. Off the top I think of he's man. the best running back, one of the best running backs in the Big Ten. Um, he's just a sophomore, but they do lose their top two. Receivers, they lose three offensive linemen, they lose a couple DNs, they lose their linebacker core. Oh, and they also lose their entire secondary. But it's 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 Wisconsin, and they should be they should be solid. They'll, they'll figure it out. Like at worst, they're seven and five, right? Yeah, I I, I think so too. Um, it just kind of depends on how Graham works plays. Not the point. I'm not that I'm not going to rant about Wisconsin. They rank here every year. That's not the point. They're a good program. A team that's not a good program. A team that has made a bowl game in however many years. Can you name their last bowl game? This team that we're about to mention? Holiday Bowl at 5-7 and seven against UCLA. I, I think uh, maybe, maybe it was the Foster Farms Bowl. I'm forgetting. Hold on. I what? went through it yesterday, and I was going to call you and ask you about it. Do, do, did I get it wrong? No, I can't remember what it is. To be Hold fair. on. I'm looking it up. Um, the team that we're talking about, John, it's the Nebraska Cornhuskers. They are six overall in the Big Ten, second in the Big Ten West. You know Their projected wins are at 7.7 right now. You know... Oh, I was off by a year. What is it? It's, uh, one second, I have to turn my ad blocker off to look at this. <laughs> it is, in 2016, they put in the Music City Bowl. They lost 38-24 to Tennessee. The year before that, in 2015, they played in the uh, Foster Farms Bowl against UCLA. So, yeah. I was very close on that. Every single year, the Nebraska Cornhuskers get overranked, and everyone thinks, oh, this is their year, this is their year, this is their year. It's not. 
It never is. It will never be their year until something changes in this program, and we both know what that is, Jonathan. It's a firing of Scott Frost. He is not a good coach. I would even say he's a terrible coach. He has not proven anything in his time here. Why he's a coach of a Power 5 football program is because of one thing. It's because he played there. He is not a good coach. Football coach. He went it's undefeated. Just that simple. He went undefeated in 2017 at UCF. Mm-hmm. But then again, Josh Heupel comes in the next year for UCF, loses a ton of players, didn't have, didn't have his quarterback for the final two games, and goes. I want to say it was 13 and one, maybe 12 and one. They lost the the Peach Bowl to LSU, which arguably if Mackenzie Milton plays, they could win that, and yep. they had a lead in the in the game too. So it's not like Dario Mack was the quarterback that started over Milton because of the injury. Mm-hmm. Like this is a team that gets sellouts in their in their audience in their in the, in the stadium, whether they're six and zero or zero and six, right? They're a program that does that that I'm not saying deserves a lot, but they're a program that expects a lot. So why in the world are they employing a mediocre coach to lead their program? And I'll never understand it. I'll never understand it. They could lose week one to Northwestern. Are they playing in Dublin? Right? That's, is that, is that yeah. official? If they play, if they, they lose lost that week game, one, week zero last year to Illinois. It's ridiculous, man. And it's just like, uh, it's just so funny. Every single year they're picked to do well. And every single year they, they blow, fall below. I, I want to be high on them. I really do because I think their roster is good. But I, I'm not sold yet. Casey Thompson was a really good addition. He is much better than Adrian Martinez. Oh, yeah. That's not hard to do. And yeah. I think that alone should get them probably at least two more wins. But... They lost some some key players, specifically Cam Taylor Britt, who was one of yeah. the best corners, not just in the Big Ten but in the country. So, not only that, they also lost um, JoJo Doman mm-hmm. or Domain Doman, I think, who Doman. does a, does a lot of things for them on that defense. And I I have a Nebraska friend Wyatt Nunn who's a huge fan of that guy, and he, he says that's going to be the biggest absence of that defense. Yeah, but they return they, they they do return a decent amount. You know, let's just act like they're just not returning anybody. But they return a lot of the offense. Is it? That you want to return guys, or you're, or you're returning guys from a team that went three and nine, yeah, exactly. despite being competitive. Some other key things. So, David, you think Minnesota's at forty, Iowa's at thirty-eight, Nebraska's at thirty-five, Wisconsin's up there at twenty-one. There's one other team in the Big Ten West I think can win it. That's Purdue. They're at forty-four. They're probably the second best quarterback in the conference. Yeah, that's a good quarterback. In O'Connell, gonna be just an interesting division. My pick right now is Iowa. Obviously, four months till the season. I that don't could think change. that's crazy, man. I really don't think that's a crazy thing to say, especially because Iowa brings back a lot of their defense, including mm-hmm. uh, Jack Campbell, correct? Yeah, and uh, Riley Moss, and to add a five-star safety in mm-hmm. Xavier Ekwana. I, th- I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but he's a five-star safety, and he's Iowa's best recruit ever. So it's, uh, it's amazing what the, they can do. But it's it just, I, I have some worries with their offense. I do too. I, history I history tells here. you they won't win the West again. History tells you they won't repeat mm-hmm. as, as West champion. But I think their defense is amazing, and I don't see a reason to be down down on them despite yeah. their lackluster play at quarterback. They do some lose a uh, really good out lineman in um, Zach Van Valkenburg. Also lose Tyler Linderbaum, of course, first draft pick potentially. We just talked about him. Right? Mm-hmm. He's got weak arms though, but the size size arms as I do apparently. Uh, and they lose, uh, like you said, you, you, they bring in um, the five-star safety, but they also lose Jack Horner, 
who's not a corner, he's a safety, but his name's Corner or mm-hmm. Corner. I don't know. He's really good. So they lose some stuff, but even then, they return, I think, the most. And they're a team that were good last year, went to the Big Ten Championship. Their main issue is quarterback. They got a quarterback battle between two guys who both are really bad, and Spencer Petrus, Spencer Petrus and Anthony Padilla, or Padilla, whatever you prefer. Uh, I'm a little worried about them on the offensive side of the ball, and obviously they don't have an elite play caller in Kirk Ferentz, so I don't know. I don't know if he calls plays or his son is the OC, isn't it? Yeah, his son, his son is the OC. Brian I don't, know who Ferentz. Calls plays. I don't know who calls plays, but either way. So, let's talk about another really interesting division next year. The, and that's the ACC Coastal. I think so, too. Our friend Harrison Vapnik would be ranting about Miami if he was on the show today. <laughs> but unfortunately, he's not. So, I'm going to get to say my two cents without being yelled at. Pitt, <laughs> Pitt sitting yeah. at number nine. Miami at 18. And then you have... A team that I'm really high on in Virginia, who is sitting at 54, very low, despite turning returning a ton of offensive production from last year. Yeah, I think Virginia can win the division. I'm not confident in saying they will. They are my pick at the moment, but at the same time, I think there's a bunch of teams that can win this division. I think Miami can win it. I think Pitt can win it. Pitt can totally win it again. I think Virginia Tech maybe even can win it. Yeah. Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech looking looking up as well. UNC, obviously. UNC is the second highest team, or third highest in this division. They're 22. Only four spots behind the Canes. Yeah. In, in FPI? Yeah. No, Pitt, Pitt's like top 10, dude. Pitt's 9, Miami's oh. 18, UNC's 22. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I think about Miami, and I think Pitt's too high. They're, Kenny Pickett's gone. They brought in Keaton Solvis, who obviously has really high potential, but... Yeah. He's not as he's not as consistent as Kenny Pickett is. No, he won't be. My thing about Miami is they're not in as bad of a position as Florida State was, and there's Florida State's obviously still trying to fix that. But my thing with Miami is it takes more than one year to fix the culture in college football. Yeah, and I don't think the winner of this division is going to be an eight-win team like we've seen in the past couple of years. I think the division's actually pretty good and better than people will give it credit for. But I think the winner of this division is going to come away with probably nine wins. Mm-hmm. Maybe even ten. Yeah. If, we, if we see a team like, like Pitt was last year. But Miami, I think, has a really good roster. They have a coach that at times doesn't get all of out, out of his roster, especially he's really good recruiting, and I think it was a really smart hire, especially considering the the market that Miami's in and the state that they have to recruit and the teams that they have to re- out-recruit in their state. But I like Tyler Van Dyke. He's awesome. He's, sh- he's probably going to be one of the top prospects next year in this draft. Yep. The receivers, they brought in Frank Ladson from Clemson. They returned a decent amount on their offensive line. Their defense, a lot of names on there that didn't perform last year. The defensive tackle, Leonard Taylor, should be... A stud in the making. Their, their corners, Tyreek Stevenson, he's all right. They lose Bubba Bolden, the star, the star safety, who will be drafted this year. I'm just not sure that this team is going to turn around in one year because it was a lot of laziness. It was a lot of carelessness, and those are things that are really hard to correct. Mm-hmm. Especially with a lot of the same players. I think you have the two right guys at the helm. I don't know if Mario Cristobal can make that impact year one. 
And I don't know if Tyler Van Dyke can lead a team to multiple wins. But I do think they're the right guys. There's no one else I'd rather have as the Miami coach in Mario Cristobal. That's available, obviously. I'd rather have Nick Saban, of course. But at quarterback as well, Tyler Van Dyke is awesome. And if you guys don't know the name yet, now you do. He is someone who's going to lead Miami to multiple multiple wins this year. And I think they have totally have a chance to make a run at this conference. Will they is the question. It's so up for grabs. It's so up for grabs with Pitt. Slovis, can he be the next picket? No. Can he be close? Maybe. You know? And you know a lot more about Virginia Tech and Virginia than I do. You know, it's just there's four teams that really could win this thing. And then, of course, you have North Carolina, who is always has a decent decent program under Mac Brown. Georgia Tech and Duke not really cutting it, but even then. Georgia Tech's still getting better. Georgia yeah. Tech, you got to remember, they had to implement an entirely new offense with the same players. Yeah. Because they ran the triple option for years. Their coach retires. Then, yeah, it was just a mess. Virginia, just like what they bring back. Like, they lose a, st- a stud tight end in Jelani Woods. But other than that, like, Brandon Armstrong's back. They bring yeah. back a couple other receivers. Their defense is going to be just atrocious. But oh, yeah. they're going to score 35-40 a game. So maybe it just depends on how much they score, how good Brandon Armstrong yeah. is, if you can repeat that performance. Because, yeah, they're, they're going to score with the best of them. I'd even put them, say they're going to be a probably five, a top five offense in college football. So, and you got to remember with Oregon, Mario Cristobal's first year at Oregon, he went eight and four in the regular season, nine and four with the bowl game win in the Red Box Bowl over Michigan oh, State. Classic bowl game. Next year he went 12, 12 and two, won the won the Rose Bowl. So yeah, taking the jump in year two, maybe that's something that we get into then. But I don't think or Miami's going to come out and just win 10, 10 11 games. I, I yeah. don't think that's going to happen. Some other things with this FPI, the SEC broke down like this. Alabama 1, Georgia 3, Auburn 10, LSU 11. Auburn and LSU just being the third and fourth best teams in this league is not right. Uh, no, that's incorrect. Because there are some teams. Uh, Arkansas, by the way, is unbelievably low. Severely underrated. Like, oh my God, 29? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, they lose a couple key pieces on defense. Their defense probably isn't going to be as good as it was last year. they lose their best weapon. But lose their best player. Traylon Burks, yes. But, man, that's just such a good system that I cannot see them being the 29th best team in college football next year. Like, I, like, for sure expect the M- Mizzou to lose to them next year. Why Why? Why is Miss State so high? Because they have a good offense. But why do we like Miss State more than Tennessee? I don't. I yeah. think Mississippi State's the sixth best team in the, in the West. Being low, look at Tennessee, dude. Yeah, Tennessee, I think people expect them to break out. And have a really good year, but people also expected them to do that in year two under, um, man, I'm forgetting the coach's name, the old Tennessee coach, who was Rick Barnes. Yes, the the old coach for uh, he was a, he was a coordinator for Alabama. I'm forgetting his name, but people expected them in his second year to bre- to break out, and they didn't. They regressed. So just just really interesting. Hendon Hooker's good. He's coming back, a quarterback for them. They don't lose a ton on either side of the ball. They're going to be starting a lot of upperclassmen. So you would think they get better. And they're recruiting better now under Josh Heupel. So we'll see. I expect them to make a jump. I expect them to win as many as nine games maybe and finish second in the East. But Here's a tough question. Who's the third best team in the SEC? who Who do you think is the second? I think it's Georgia. Okay. I think it's safe to say Georgia. That's 
probably fine. I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't be, think so. that. But well, who do you think about his team? Uh probably probably Texas A and M or Arkansas. Really? I don't think Georgia's going to be very good this year. They they they're going to be good on offense, but their defense is really young. It's really young. The only the only player I think that they return from last year's defense is Christopher Smith. Yeah, pick six against Clemson. Uh Keele Ringo. Yeah, and who Ringo didn't even start for them. Nolan Smith is coming back for his yeah. senior year, and then Jalen Carter, who was kind of a rotational piece at defensive tackle. They're going to be starting a lot of new players, mm-hmm. and like you look at last year, you're like a lot, you're, of, four, a lot of four and five stars. You, right. you think Georgia like recruits really well, but you like look at last year, like Keely Ringo was really bad at the start of the year, mm-hmm. and it was and he was a sophomore, so he was great at the end of the year, fi- figured it out, and started showing that five star potential. But there's a lot of figuring out to do early in the year. I think they're going to beat beat Oregon week one, yeah, and I think they may even get to the playoff. Just because of the fact that their schedule is not very good, no. but I think if you stack them up against A and M or Arkansas, I think those probably are two better rosters, and neither one of them are bad bad coaches either. But yeah, I mean, like you look at Georgia's schedule, like they open with Oregon Week One. The game is in Georgia, yeah. So good luck to Oregon, who's traveled to games like this before and lost them. South Carolina. Nick is back. Sorry. They play South Carolina on the road. They play Mizzou on the road. They play Florida's a neutral site, obviously. Tennessee, they get Mississippi State and Kentucky on the road. And then they play Tennessee at home, Auburn at home, Vanderbilt at home. Kentucky on the road is going to be such a fun game. Yeah, I mean, it's late in the year, though. So they yeah. may have somewhat figured it out by then. Well, hopefully, Kentucky has, too. The uh, South Carolina, week three is an interesting one. South Carolina beat them a couple years ago. So, different coach, obviously, but. Yeah, I think I'm down on Georgia this year. Interesting. So I think I'm higher on AM, I'm higher on Arkansas. What else have we not talked about? Ah, oh, the Pac twelve. The beloved Pac twelve. <sighs> or the Big Twelve as well, but we can go either, we can go either one. Let's go Pac twelve. Where do you stand on USC? <laughs> they're 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 a really interesting team. Projected at thirty seven and in FPI, I think they're probably much higher than that. I would say, go out and say they're probably a top you 15 know, team. What was the thing that Harry said? It was like, they have the best quarterback in the conference, and they that's do. it. They might not have anything else, but the best coach. Yeah, that's probably true as well. But compared to like, who I think the best team in the Pac-12 is at Utah, they don't have a better anything else. I'm like, look. Caleb Williams could win the Heisman next year. Yeah. He could. He's that talented. Is he good enough to get 11 wins? Probably not. I, I, I don't think the team is. I don't think this is their year. I think year two or year three is the year that they they really start to... I think they're a playoff contender year two under Lincoln I, Riley. I, I think so, too. But this year, I think it's a better bet to say they finish fourth rather than win the whole thing. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, I mean, like, listen, they lose good players. They lose Drake London. They lose Drake Jackson. Funny enough, same name. Like, they they lost two really important players. Caleb Williams is obviously fantastic. Yeah, he's And has two more years there. Mm -hmm. But, and he did, Lincoln's done a good job with the transfer portal, too. He brought in some linemen, which USC has struggled with under Clay Helton. But yeah, I think I think Utah is a better team than them, and Utah gets them at home this year. Yeah. So I think Utah will win the South. I think 
Utah is in contention for a playoff spot. If the Pac-12 doesn't screw themselves over like they do every single year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every I, single year, a Pac-12 team just screws themselves Utah's over. Utah's at, at Florida week one. We need we need another Pac-12 team in the playoff. We can't have... They haven't had one since 2016, right? Washington. Washington? We, we need to change that. That's, that's brutal. Terrible for Pac-12. They're probably yeah. losing a ton of money on that, too. Yeah. So, yeah, but Oregon is the second highest ranked team in the Pac-12. They're at 23. Utah's at 15. USC's at 37. Those are the three highest ranked teams in the conference. So, FBI expects a down year for the conference. I don't. I think Utah's probably a top five team to start the year. I, I think USC might be, be a top 15 team. I have my questions about Oregon, but they have a good defensive coach and a quarterback that, like it or not, can win games yep. in, in Bo Nix. So, that is true. We'll see. Last one, Big 12. It's a fun Te- one. Texas at six, Oklahoma at eight. I think Oklahoma and Texas are both too high. Oklahoma State at yeah. 13, I don't think they're too high. Uh, who else? Baylor at 19. Here? Oh, yeah, Baylor at 19. I think they're <laughs> right around fine. The conference, I think, is going to be a bunch of really good teams, not any team that separates itself and is a playoff team. Yes, I think there'll be one clear top team, and I dare, dare I say Texas is the best team with the Big 12. They could be. I still like Sarkeesian. I think I kind of I agree with Harry in that their season spiraled after the Oklahoma game. Yeah. Because, like, if you watch that game, like, they were clearly not as bad as they played the rest of the year. How did they lose that game, John? I don't know, dude. Caleb Williams. That's Caleb Williams. And the offense just stopped scoring the football. I'm a d- dude, like, we don't, first of all, we don't know who's starting a quarterback for them. Nope. Hudson Card theoretically is, but obviously Quinn Ewers is Quinn like Ewers has the, the greatest prospect since, uh, greatest high school player since Lawrence, probably. Which, that was like three years, but yeah. I mean, it was five years ago at this point, right? Six years ago? Yeah, but what Ewers' class was, you know, versus Lawrence's class. Yeah, Ewers also reclassed, I think. But, no, they bring back Bijan. They bring back Xavier Worthy. Their weapons are fantastic. Yeah, Bijan might be the, uh, again, Bijan Robinson, a guy who could win the Heisman. On defense, DeMarvian Overshone back at Texas for what seems like his 13th year. Great great name. The Perry Ells of college football. Uh, They lose, they don't lose much. They lose Brendan Schooler. They lose Josh Thompson. On defense, that replacing some of these guys is they also bring in Jaleel Billingsley from Alabama, the tight end. It's true. So Deshaun Jameson, their stud corner, comes back. So this could be a really interesting team and a team that could probably win the conference and maybe win 10, 11 games, even. But a great game for them will be week two versus Alabama. We just gotta see. I, I don't expect that's at DKR, right? Yeah, I don't expect Texas to win. But if they can keep it competitive, then I think that that'll be a tell for the season. Yeah, and they just got to stay coarse. They should be, like, hypothetically, they should be better than Oklahoma this year. They should be. But, but yeah, should should doesn't mean well. Those teams playing a close game is, like, almost guaranteed at this point. What do we think? What do we think of maybe the not so blue bloods, the not top tier programs in the Big 12 this year? I'm a big fan of Oklahoma State personally. I like Oklahoma State, too. Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry about that. All good. Um, they can defend, and they have a quarterback who knows how to lead teams. Uh, Spencer Sanders isn't spectacular by any means, but I think that he can get the job done. Um, and I love their defense. So They're well coached. They're just a good team, and they don't really get phased by going into these tough environments like Oklahoma or, or Texas or 
Baylor, you know, any, anywhere they go, I I have confidence they can go and get a win. Um, Iowa State, I'm a little lower on. I don't think they're yeah, good. Yeah, I think Iowa State's going to be bad. I don't think they're good at all. I want to be a fan. I think Brees Hall's awesome, but he's gone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think Brock Purdy was a quarterback for them, but he's gone. And Matt Campbell, you know, can't get it done. I'll, tr- I'll start trusting Iowa State when they beat Iowa Week 2. People are high on Baylor. I'm going to read you some of the names they lost. Tyquan Thornton, Tristan Ebner, Abram Smith. That's really all the big names they lost on offense. They're going to start a lot of seniors and graduates at on offensive line. On defense, Terrell Bernard, JT Woods, Raleigh Texada, and of course, your guy, Jalen Petre. Jalen Petre. Who should be a second-round pick. He's awesome, though. I'd love the Vikings take him in the second round. I think their defense is going to be a little suspect. They have a very good defensive coach, Dave Aranda, to try to make up for some of that. But um, I think they could... I think they're probably going to be worse than people expect. I think they're probably the fourth or fifth best team in this conference. Unfortunately, you're probably right. Um, other than that, there's not really a Big 12 team that I think is worth talking about. Oklahoma, K- Oklahoma State lost some, some oh. guys on defense, too. Malcolm Rodriguez yeah. is gone. Devin Harper's gone. Those were probably their two best defensive players. So a lot of replacing to do for them, but I think I like overall what they have more. Uh, K-State, Adrian Martinez starting quarterback, potentially. <laughs> You also have to host Mizzou week two, so it'll be a fun game. Yeah, Kansas State's a really interesting to team. Game. I want to try to be on the call for that game. If not, we're being Liddy, me and Buzz are going to Tennessee. I have no idea. Yeah, Guys, I've made my decision. I'm Can't, taking my town to South Beach. Skylar Thompson has moved on. Adrian Martinez steps in. Yay? Not sure that's a sentence that man, people in Manhattan, Kansas, want to hear. Yeah. Maybe people in Manhattan, New yeah, York, but maybe, maybe who knows. New York, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, th- I think they're probably a middle-of-the-pack team in the Big 12. Any group of five teams that you like before we wrap this up? Man, that's a tough one always. Um, there's no Cincinnati this year. No Cincinnati. By far, no Cincinnati. And which means since there's no Cincinnati right now, that means there won't be a Cincinnati come playoff time. Let's say let's say let's say East Carolina goes undefeated. They will not make the they will not make the playoff. Um there's not really a team that I love. Uh even like the Mountain West is just like so so down this year. Every Group of five team is just really down, in my opinion. People are really high in Houston, and I think they're probably like a top maybe 2015 team to start the year. But they lost Logan Hall. They lost Marcus Jones. Yeah. They lost three receivers. Yep. They bring back Cl- Clayton Toon's coming yeah. back, but they get um, I-, I think people are too high on them. They get Trayvon Mark back from injury. I'm kidding. Sorry, <laughs> I just can't. I gotta use. Uh, Good time to be a Houston Houston fan, though. Yeah, basketball. Shout out Nico, man. <laughs> Good. Go, go, go time to be a Houston fan. All right, that's gonna do it for start your Sunday today. Minus Harrison Vapnik. Want to thank David Campbell for joining us today. Had to pick him up, but always a great replacement for Harrison when he comes up. on. What in the world? Uh, yeah, I had to pick you up you, from your you home. Did and then we got Starbucks. Yeah, we did. And they. Didn't have refreshers, which was disappointing. <laughs> but I, I'm happy to be on, John. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to start your Sunday today. We'll be back next week as always. Play.